or this evening. Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, just three verses here. It says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, you'd use it tonight to strengthen us as a church family, even though we're spread out all over this area. Lord, some here in Moore, some in Tuttle and Blanchard and uh, Midwest City and uh, maybe Norman and just all over this area. Lord, I pray that you'd use this message tonight to bring about spiritual unity in our church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, I want to... See if there's anybody in the room tonight who would consider themselves the strongest man in the room. Other than me, I mean, I'm the one preaching, so I can't really do this. I mean, I'm technically the strongest man in the room. Uh, But we need to have somebody else that's willing to come up here. Oh, good. We have a volunteer, kind of. I already volunteered him earlier, but uh, Brother Jacob is the strong man. Now, you had... uh, some days in football, did you not? Yes, sir. Okay, so he has a little bit of experience in some strength. We're going to find out how strong Jacob really is tonight. Okay, so what we're going to do is... uh, I'm going to see if you can break this pencil. Let's see if you can do it. You can use two hands. Go ahead and see if you can do... Wow! Now that is strong. I am impressed, all right? He broke that with really... No problem whatsoever. Okay, I'm going to give you two pencils now to break. Here, I'll take your uh, broken proof of your strength. Okay, so you got two pencils there to break. He broke the two pencils, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is strong, I am telling you. And I'm not talking about his, his smell either. I'm talking about his muscles. Okay, but now we have three. Let's see how we do with three pencils. He's got it. Okay, he's he's tearing through these. Okay. Okay, well now we have four pencils. Might be a challenge. Okay, so let's see. He's still got it. Boy, we're gonna have someone need to have someone, you know, clean up this mess here. Do you know anybody that might be interested? I know, in the, I know a strong guy. You know a guy that can do that? Okay, great. Alright, so okay, so that was four. Here we go with five. Let's see how we're doing. Are, are these getting a little bit difficult, a more little. difficult as we go? Still doing it, and uh, boy, everybody needs eye protection. I mean, we got, <laughs> we got shrapnel everywhere. Okay, so he took care of the four. We're going to go here to, uh, or that was five. We're going to go here to six. I think this is six pencils. I don't think it's going to break. He's got it. He's got it. Okay. Definitely a lot harder when the more the more that are together, the harder it is, correct? Yeah. Okay, just for fun here, I think we have 10, <laughs> ten pencils. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's going to budge. 
No, nope. nope, not happening. Okay. Not happening. Okay. Now, if I tried it, I'd probably do it, but I'd ruin the illustration. Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and not do that. But thank you, Brother Jacob. You are one strong guy. I'm telling you right now. Well, the illustration is this. The more that are together, the stronger it is. Right? The Bible says a three-fold cord is not easily broken. And uh, here we have uh, tonight a very uh, short but very powerful psalm regarding the importance of unity. Uh, Paul instructed the church at Corinth to speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I don't know exactly how many people make up Cornerstone Baptist Church, but, but let's say it's, a, it's 100 people that make up Cornerstone Baptist Church. If you have all of us together and we're one unit, how strong could we be? I would dare say much, much stronger than all of us uh, if we were just by ourselves. And so uh, it's important for us to have this unity. Now let's talk about unity for a minute tonight. Biblical unity does not require that everyone sees eye to eye on everything. For instance, not everyone is going to be an OSU fan. There are some who are going to be Oklahoma Sooner fans. Uh, Not everyone's going to see eye to eye on everything. Not everybody's going to agree with every decision. But see, on the fundamental issues, they agree and they need to agree. But on the lesser matters, there is liberty for differing viewpoints. Biblical unity does not require that everybody sees eye to eye on every issue. There is grace. There is liberty on some of the lesser issues. You see, there can be unity without uniformity. It doesn't mean we have to all be exactly cookie cutter of the same individual. No. None of us are the same. We're all different. Aren't you glad that there is only one of me? Because if there were, there were two of me, that would be a scary thing. Uh, we're all different. We all need to be different. Well, despite our differences, we can still work together to accomplish the same goal. Perhaps this is why the Apostle Paul encourages us to stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. When we can rally uh, behind the banner of the cross, we can go forward and accomplish much for the glory of God if we're unified on the right things. Together we can accomplish more if we are a unit and we are in agreement and we are experiencing and dwelling together with unity. Now this concept of unity certainly applies to our church, but it also applies to a family scenario. So families who are watching tonight, I, wanna, I want you to make application in your own family. But then all of us who are watching tonight, I want us to make application for our church. So in these three verses, in this very short but very powerful reminder of the importance of unity, in these three verses, the psalmist, David in this case, points out three very important aspects of unity. And I want to look at those with you tonight very quickly First of all, I want us to see in verse number one, we see the exclamation, the exclamation. In verse number one, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And if you notice in your Bible, 
At the end of that verse, there is a punctuation mark. What punctuation mark do you see in your Bible? Well, it should be the exclamation point. Uh, The translators of the King James Version uh, decided that this was such an emphatic, and, and in the language, the original language, it was so emphatic that they decided that it deserved an exclamation point. And look, when God puts an exclamation point, uh, we should uh, take some notice. It would be wise for us to take notice on what God emphasizes, when God basically uh, really points to in an emphatic matter. So he talks about how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So let's talk about, first of all, this dwelling together in unity uh, as brethren as family members, uh, not just physical family members, but spiritual family members, when we are dwelling together in unity, first of all, it's good. It's good. He says, behold, how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. If you remember the record of creation over and over again, as God creates and as the days go on, he the Bible says the Lord looked and, and saw that it was good. He, ins- he, he, he said that all of these things were good. In fact, the only thing in creation that God said was not good was that man would be alone. As he looked at Adam and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make and help meet for him. And uh, as I have been going through this season As we've been uh, doing these live stream only services, I've come to realize how accurate uh, and how uh, true that statement is that it is not good for man to be alone because we, I need you and you need me and we need each other. Um, We are not meant to be islands. We're not meant to be lone rangers. We're we're meant to go through this life together. And uh, I need of course, my wife and I, my family, but I also need other brothers and sisters in Christ. And I am thankful that uh, Brother Blake's been here and Brother Jacob's been here, Miss Rebecca, and we've, we've been a little bit of a family while we've gone through this scenario. However, I am very much looking forward to have a new home. It's not good that we should be alone. We need each other. And uh, I am looking forward to that. Uh, but it is good when we can be together but not just be together, but be united as we are together. Because it's one thing to live in the same house. It's one thing to go to a church with someone, but it's a whole nother uh, level when you are united, when you're dwelling together in unity. And when we do, God says it is good. It is good. He doesn't just say it's good, but he also says it is pleasant. It's pleasant. In verse number one, behold how good And here it is again, and how uh, pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Oh, it's pleasant. Pleasant to who? Well, first and foremost, and most importantly of all, it's pleasant to the Lord. It's pleasant to God when His people dwell together in unity. Uh, He's pleased when His people are living in harmony with one another. When we're not arguing, when we're not... uh, backbiting or gossiping about one another, but when we're living in unity, God is greatly pleased. And it's pleasant to the Lord. Who else is it pleasant to? Well, it's also pleasant to those who are living in unity. 
Oh, it's much nicer and much more blessed to live in peace with your fellow man than it is to be at odds with someone and to have this tension and this relationship conflict. Look, that should not be the case in any church or any family, by the way. We should have harmony in the home and harmony in the house of God. Um, especially when it comes to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, Romans uh, uh, eight, uh, 12 and verse number 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, Paul encourages us to live peaceably with all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you. God desires that we would live peaceably with all men. Even the ones that maybe get under our skin a little bit, those are the ones we still need to try to live peaceably with. So it's pleasant to the Lord when we're dwelling together in unity. It's pleasant to those who are living in unity. But it's also pleasant to those watching. I imagine all of us have had the experience of going to a public place. uh, Well, not in the last couple of months. Uh, We really haven't done a ton of public places. but, But in the past... You can probably think back to a time when you went to a public place and there was somebody arguing. Maybe it was a, a couple that was arguing. Maybe it was a, a you know, a parent a son or a, a parent child argument. Uh, maybe you've been to a supermarket and you've seen the the child go bonkers and the parent not really know how to deal with them. Um, that's it's just an awkward, uncomfortable situation that we find ourselves in when that happens. It's like, ah, get me out of here. Uh, I just want this to stop. It, it's not comfortable. But but conversely, when when people around you are are happy and joyful and in harmony with one another and enjoying time together, well, that creates a peaceful environment for you as well. And so you and I can. Uh, it's pleasant to those watching us when we decide to live in harmony and unity with one another. One of the biggest and most often compliments I've heard about Cornerstone Baptist Church since becoming the pastor uh, a little over 18 months ago, I've heard that uh, our church is super friendly and very, very loving as a church family. And you know, that is a tremendous testimony that we're in many ways following Psalm 133. And I just want to encourage us and challenge us to continue to dwell together in unity because it is lovely. In fact, John in verse 13 says this in verse 34. He said, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And then he said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Um, I'm thankful that uh, I have my, on our, my wife's van, we have the Cornerstone Baptist Church sticker on it. And if you need one of those, we'll have them available Sunday for your vehicle to be a testimony. But look it, that's not the sign that God says that we need to have in order for, him, for people to know that we're believers. Uh, That's not what he said. He didn't say, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have a Cornerstone Baptist Church sticker on the back of your vehicle. Although it's still a good thing. (laughs) I do want to point that out. But that's not the sign. Uh, He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. 
if you are dwelling together with your brethren in unity, that's how people are going to know that you're my disciples. And so that's why we have this first point here, this first thought in verse number one, the explanation. I mean, the, he exclaims it and he says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's uh, maybe even a rare thing for this world, for the unsaved world, to really see. And so that's why it's so good. That's why it's so pleasant when it happens. And especially when it happens between believers. So we first of all see the exclamation. But secondly, I want us to see tonight the examples. Verses 2 and 3 give us a couple of different examples that David uses here to illustrate how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He first of all gives the example of, first of all, a minister. In verse number 2 it says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And this is a reference all the way back to Exodus chapter number 30, when God gives the instructions on how to anoint the new high priest. Of course, Aaron was the first high priest. And so uh, he gave them instruction on how to concoct this special, uh, the, the special blend of spices and olive oil to form this one uh, special ointment that was to be used to anoint the new high priest. And uh, in Exodus chapter number 30, I'm going to go ahead and turn over there. I just kind of want to read a portion of that. In verse number 22 of Exodus 30, he says this, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary and an oil, olive, and hin. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apocryphy. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that right. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith and the ark of the testimony and the table and all his vessels and the candlestick and his vessels and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all his vessels and the labor and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. So this special oil, this special uh, essential oil blend was used to um, anoint all the different parts of the furniture in the tabernacle and the high, great high priest and the sons of Aaron. A couple things I want to point out, point out about this particular oil that was used there. And this is what David refers to when it was it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. So this ointment was a mixture of different ingredients that formed one fragrance, one anointing oil. And that mixture of these different ingredients forming one thing is a picture of the fact that God can take all of us, though different, 
All of us have different backgrounds. Some of us speak different languages. Some of you speak English. Others speak Oklahoman. Uh, We speak different languages. Some of us have different upbringings. Some of us are different shapes and sizes. Some of us have different tastes, different likes and dislikes, different strengths and weaknesses. All of us are different, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message. And yet, he's able to take all of us, though different, to form one body, to form one local church. And what a special thing that is. Uh, These ingredients on their own are okay, I suppose, but as the Lord mixes them together, it creates this special, wonderful aroma. At a meeting of the American Psychological Association, Jack Lipton, a psychologist uh, and a graduate student at Columbia, he presented their findings on how members of the various sections of 11 major symphony of the 11 major symphony orchestra perceived each other. So uh, you've got the the wind instruments and the percussions and the strings, and he's like, okay, well, how do you view the other members of the orchestra? And uh, so here's what they found in this particular study. The percussionists were viewed as insensitive, unintelligent, and hard of hearing, yet fun-loving. Uh, The string players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and unathletic. The orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as the primary adjective to describe the brass players. So, yes, I I think that might be accurate. Uh, Woodwind players seem to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. (laughs) Well, interesting findings to say the least. With such widely divergent personalities and perceptions, how could an orchestra ever come together to make such wonderful music? The answer is simple. Regardless of how those musicians view each other, they subordinate their feelings and biases to the leadership of the conductor. You see, under his guidance... They play beautiful music. Boy, what a great picture that is for the church, isn't it? Yeah, there's some people who are good at this and some people who are good at that. And, you know, we may look at them and say, "Ah, I don't have that talent and I'm glad I don't. And we may compare ourselves with one another, which, by the way, the Bible says is not wise. But regardless, we, we, we have all these differences in us. But if we're all looking at the same conductor, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can play beautiful music together as a church family. And not just literal beautiful music, which we can, but also just spiritual where we're going forward and doing something for the cause of Christ. John chapter 17 and uh, Jesus' upper room prayer there, uh, his high... high, um, his priestly prayer in, in the upper room in John 17, he said this in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And that's, by the way, you and I. He's praying for us. And here's what he's praying for. That they would all be rich. And that's not what it says. That they would all be talented. That's not what it says. 
Here's what his prayer request was. Here's what Jesus was praying for you and for me there in the upper room. He said that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So Jesus' prayer request for you and I was that we would be one. We would dwell together in unity. One commentator writes about Jesus. He said this, His human body was not to be divided. Think about this. He said, A bone of him was not to be broken. The seamless garment he wore was not to be rent asunder. And then he said, Nor is his mystical body, the church, to be torn in pieces by schisms and divisions. You see, we're Christ's body. And we're not to be divided. We're not to be torn apart. We're not to be rent asunder. No, we're to be together. We're to be dwelling together in unity. Another aspect of this oil that was poured upon the high priest's, uh, the high priest's head there um, is that this oil, it smelled. It had a strong aroma. Now, I asked my wife to, uh, she had a couple of these uh, spices in her, uh, her inventory. And so I asked her to create a little bit of a concoction for us or for me tonight, just so that I would know a little bit about how this might smell. This might have smelt back in the day. And so there's some myrrh, there's some cassia, and there's some cinnamon. Uh, we're missing uh, the other one, calamus. calamus. But she uh, put those together, and we did, we did uh, the, the same um, proportions, just in a little tiny bottle. And uh, I'm smelling it, and it actually smells really good. You can smell that cinnamon. You can smell the, the myrrh. And uh, I guess cassia smells a little bit like cinnamon. But uh, you, take, you take the amount of oil that, uh, that they put together for this particular instance, and uh, you pour that amount on Aaron's head, so much so that it's not just staying a couple drops on his head, but it's enough to go and get into his big beard. And then not, not only that, but it gets down to uh, the garments, but not just to the garments, but all the way to the skirts, all the way down to the bottom. That's a lot of oil that was used in, that, in, that particular, in this particular picture. Now, for all of that oil to be used, you can imagine those around would definitely have noticed this particular smell. They, they would be... Uh, inhaling the different fragrances that were coming from this one uh, ointment. And you know that's a picture of how it needs to be with our unity. When we are united, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We, we become noticeable when we're, uh, we're noticed in a, good, in a good light when we are together, when we are dwelling together in unity. We become noticeable to those around us. And so we see here this first illustration, this first example of, uh, of dwelling together in unity and how good it is and how pleasant it is. We see here a minister. But then we see secondly here a mountain. In verse number three, he says, As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Now, 
In that part of the world, the climate there is very hot and dry. And so in the morning, as the dew descends and begins to show itself upon the plant life there, it's a very good thing. The plant life loves that dew and needs it. It's so refreshing. And that's what David's trying to communicate. It's so refreshing when brethren dwell together in unity, when a church family can function as one body, when, when, when a family is not divided, but they're together in harmony. It's refreshing. It's such a good thing. One thing about dew uh, that uh, one commentator pointed out is that it forms when everything is still and at rest. If there's been a tremendous storm, and uh, we know this here in Oklahoma, there's not going to probably be due uh, in this month a lot, because in the month of May, it's very turbulent. And tonight, it's supposed to be a little turbulent. I think some of the big storms are going to miss us, and I'm thankful for that. But when, when things are still and things are at rest, that's when the dew shows up. And not when there's a lot of stress and and uh, craziness and wild situations. That's not when the dew shows up. The dew shows up when it's still and when it's at rest. So uh, strife, rush, and worry will never bring about the unity that God envisions for his people. So for you and I, when we're uh, worried and fretful and just thinking about ourselves, that's not going to bring about true unity. We need to be still and to be at rest. And so he uses these two examples to help us understand how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then number three tonight, we see the last part of verse three, we see the expectation. For those who decide they're going to live together and dwell together in unity, there is something you can expect. And I'm telling you, this is a good thing. Here it is in the last part of verse 3. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. God says for those who decide that they're going to dwell together, for the church that says we're going to dwell together in unity, we're going to be one church. We're not going to be divided over little petty things. We're going to go forward by faith and agree to the main things then there is some blessing that the Lord is going to command to that particular um, entity, whether it's a church or whether it's a family. God commands blessing to come upon those who decide to dwell together in unity. And then he says, here, even life evermore. Now, what does that mean, life evermore? Well, I think it means, first of all, uh, Blessing a fullness of life for those who dwell together in unity. If you have ever had times of strife and conflict in relationships, and I, I would dare say probably all of us have, those times are not fun. They're not enjoyable. To know that there's tension between you and someone else, or someone else in the home, or someone else in the house of God, it's not a pleasant thing. It's not a good thing. But for those who are living with uh, harmony and peace and joy, you're experiencing the fullness of life that God really expects and designed and intended us to live. And so it's true life. It's, it's life to its fullest 
when we're dwelling together and we have harmony and we have peace and joy with one another versus a life of conflict, strife, jealousy, bitterness, and gossip. And those who are dwelling together in unity are able to become channels then also through which life then flows out to others. We become a channel of life, a vessel that gives life to others if we're living a life of unity. I read about a healthy and a large and growing church. Um, Not all large and growing churches are healthy, by the way, but this one was healthy. And uh, someone asked the pastor what their secret was. How are you guys growing and why, what, what's your secret to uh, your success as a pastorate and, and, and your church? Why is it so great? What's going on there? And the pastor commented, he said, it, it rests on three things. He said, our, our people love God. That's their, that's their first priority and it's evident and they have a close walk with God. They love the Lord. But then also our people, they love each other. They love each other. There's a real evidence in our church family that they just really care about one another. Not just in word, but in deed and in truth. And then he said, thirdly, they love the lost. They are concerned about getting the gospel to those who desperately need it. And they love him so much, they're willing to go and talk to him. They love him so much, they're willing to give to missions. They love him so much, they're willing to do what it takes to be a good testimony and witness to our neighbors. And with those priorities, God decided to command the blessing, life evermore, to this church family. He decided to bless this church family because they were so united. Cornerstone Baptist Church let's decide that we are going to dwell together in unity. All right, let me wrap this up tonight, and we'll be done in just a moment here. But I want to ask the question, and maybe you ask the, you're asking the question there at home, why did I take us to Psalm 133 tonight, of all nights? I mean, this is the last service before we come back together. I think it's a very appropriate psalm to look at before we come back together. You see, this coming Sunday, we are going to reopen Cornerstone Baptist Church for in-person services. And as much as we're all looking forward to gathering together, everyone who comes is going to have at least one opinion on when we should reopen, how should we reopen, whether we should have been closed or not in the, in the past. We all have opinions about what has been going on in all this pandemic situation. And there's people on all different sides of the spectrum. Um, I want to encourage us when we come back together to not 